Hello and welcome to Christian's Corner. This is your host, Christian Millsaps. The Champions League finally returned Friday and Saturday of last week and allowed us to finish the second legs of the remaining round of 16 matches. Friday brought us the second leg matches of Manchester City versus Madrid and Juventus versus Lyon. Manchester City came into the second leg of their match versus Madrid as the underdogs because, well, any team facing Madrid in the Champions League is typically going to be the underdog because Real Madrid has dominated the UCL throughout their entire history. I mean, they have 13 UCL trophies, and that's miles ahead of second place with just seven, and that's AC Milan. The Spanish Giants came into the second leg trailing City just 2-1 on aggregate, but City did get those two crucial away goals in their previous meeting that happened before the lockdown, obviously. Everyone, and myself included, expected Madrid to really challenge City and look at progressing, because, I mean, it's what... Real Madrid has done consistently throughout their history. Now, obviously, they don't have a guy in Cristiano Ronaldo anymore to create incredible, spectacular goals out of nothing. But they're Madrid, and you still expect them to get the job done. City, even with the incredible players on its team and a manager in Pep Guardiola, who most consider the best in football, I do not, purely because he underperforms in the European big European competitions like the Champions League, and so does Manchester City. So everyone expected, and again myself included, a possible turnaround for Madrid. I expected them to come out there, even though they were, the odds were against them and they had a lot of time off, I expected them coming off of a big turnaround in La Liga after winning La Liga to come out here, make the game their own, and beat City. But early on, City proved they were there to close out this match and progress further in this competition, which they haven't really been able to do even under Guardiola in the past four years. They took an early 1-0 lead after just nine minutes of play, thanks to Rafael Varane's absolutely shocking back pass to Thibaut Courtois. I, I don't know what was going through his mind. Varane's one of the best young defenders. I don't know if I can call him young anymore. He's like 26, 27, but that's uh, still fairly young. But it... It was an awful mistake. I don't know what was going through his head at the time of deciding that he wanted to try and head this ball extremely weakly to Tibor Courtois and, well, set up Manchester City for a very easy goal. But Madrid quickly adjusted and were able to eventually figure out how to break down City. They were coming at them with a very high line and Madrid really didn't know how to get out of it. Eventually they adjusted and they were able to create a goal in the 28th minute from a beautiful cross from Rodrigo that was able to find Karim Benzema who has done his very best to fill in for Ronaldo and I, I think he's done a great job of it. He's been scoring and creating goals for this club and he was able to do it here and bring them tied 1-1. In that match they were still down 3-2 on aggregate but it was looking better. Madrid got their away goal. They were just down by one. One more goal, it's tied, and they're in a really good position. And for the second half, they did a really good job of shifting that momentum after their first goal and really changing the pace of the game, dictating more what was going on. But then halftime came and the second half finally started, and Manchester City went right back to doing what they did early on in the first part of the game. Madrid wasn't able to adjust and City were able to dominate possession and dictate how the match went, just like they did early on. And Madrid was doing a fairly good job of defending it, except they weren't really creating chances, so really all City had to do were continue to possess the ball, dictate the tempo of the game, and they would have been fine. 
Madrid could have gotten off a little easier than they did, but once again shot themselves in the foot, giving away the ball in a terrible spot, setting up Raheem Sterling for an easy second goal that just absolutely, the game was over at that point. 68th minute, 20 minutes left. Yeah, there's plenty of time for Madrid to come back, but at that point, morale was shot. Madrid didn't really know what was going on, and the match was over, and City were finally able to prove their haters wrong and progress further into the Champions League. Now, obviously, they still have to get the job done against Bayern, but they're in a decent spot, and this, if any year, this is probably the best year for them to have a shot at winning the Champions League. The second Friday match brought us the second leg of Juventus and Lyon, which was probably the biggest shocking result and most controversial so far since the restart. I didn't expect Lyon to have a chance whatsoever against Juventus. I mean, not only is Juventus a significantly better team, but they have way more star power. I mean, Paulo Dybala, um, this guy named Cristiano Ronaldo, you kind of expect whatever team he is on to pretty much dominate. I mean, he's a goal-scoring threat, and he's going to give you quite an advantage regardless of who you're playing. And Ronaldo did show up for his new club with two key goals, but they just weren't enough considering Lyon was able to score from a penalty that was also an away goal that was the result of a really questionable call that VAR absolutely screwed up like they tend to do with pretty much everything, and I'll get to more of that later. With Lions' home performance keeping Juventus from scoring an away goal of their own in the first leg, they had quite the advantage coming in and used that advantage perfectly. They may have lost the second leg score 2-1, to one, but again, thanks to their home goal in the first leg and the fact that they were able to keep Juventus from scoring an away goal in that first leg, their away goal, their one away goal in the second leg was enough to break the 2-2 aggregate score and send them through to play City. And I said earlier that City's playing Bayern. That's not correct. But the real key takeaway from this game wasn't the fact that Lyon was able to get that key away goal, which obviously is important. It's not that Ronaldo was able to score two great goals and do all he could to keep his team in this competition, but it wasn't enough. The main storyline was VAR, which, again, are making headlines for all the wrong reasons. So the first goal, and the only goal, that Lyon did score in this game was from a penalty. Memphis Depay, it was a good penalty, he scored it, that was all fair. But the call to get to that penalty was just, it was terrible. Lyon midfielder... Hasum Awar was dribbling into the box when Juventus midfielder Bentecourt took him down in what looked like a clean tackle, but the ref called the penalty because it was a very hard challenge. It was a slide tackle, so refs are going to tend to want to call a foul on that, especially when you got players freaking out about it. They finally went to VAR to make sure that the call was correct, and watching the replay, it was obvious that Bentecourt was able to make contact with the ball and not tackle Awar illegally. And it looked pretty clear to me, and from what I can tell, the reactions of everybody on Twitter, the commentators and whatnot, everybody agreed that that was not a foul. Well, VAR said, eh, to heck with that, let's call it a foul and give, you know, a lie on a penalty. It's an awful call. And I, I know what VAR is supposed to do. They're supposed to come in here and take situations like that, make the right call, so that way if it's not a penalty the penalty is not given. If it is a penalty, the penalty is given. Well, it wasn't a penalty, but the penalty was given anyways. They have to fix VAR. 
And this is not a problem that is just to professional soccer. It goes to American football. It goes to basketball. I get that replay is supposed to help, but again, I feel like the majority of the time it just doesn't. So I, I don't even know why they still have VAR in place right now because it's not helping in any way, shape, or form. You might as well have just let the ref make the wrong call, and at least you can give him an excuse because he was in there watching it from behind live as it was happening with no slow-mo. I mean, you can't you can't do slow-mo in real life, so okay, whatever, bad call, whatever. But when you have four guys looking at this, trying to make sure that the call is correct and they still can't do it, there's no point in having it. You might as well just get it out of the game it slows it down, and it's not helping. So just get rid of it. And, oh well, Juventus is pissed, and now they're in a bad situation. Well, luckily, they got a makeup call, kind of. And again, VAR made a mistake. Ronaldo took a free kick from outside the box. Bayon's defensive wall was inside the box. And the defender on the outside of the wall had his arm tucked inside his body, so he, wasn't, he didn't have it in an unnatural position. It was completely fine. It's what they're taught to do, and it's all you can do. His arm is tucked inside of his body. If it if the ball comes at his arm, it is not his fault. No handball. Well, the ref called it a handball. Okay, this one I feel like you didn't even have to go to VAR. You shouldn't have gotten that call wrong. Well, VAR looks at it, decides, and, well, they, they messed up on that call too. The guy's arm, again, I don't know how many times I have to repeat this, was tucked inside of his body, which is not a handball, because what do you want him to do? Just rip his arms off for that free kick so there are no arms for the ball to hit? You can't call that, but they did. Ronaldo steps up, takes the penalty, gets the goal. Now it's 1-2 on aggregate. And Juventus is looking like, okay, maybe we can make a comeback. And eventually Ronaldo did get... Wow, I can't speak. Eventually Ronaldo did get a goal later in the game. There was no call to be made, so no controversy to this. It was just a really nice shot from outside of the box that the keeper had no chance of saving. And now it's 2-2 on aggregate, but Juventus just couldn't do enough to get that third goal and send themselves through. Lyon did all that they had to get that one goal, even if it's controversial, even if they shouldn't have had it. They got it. And there's no correcting it at this point. So they did what they needed to do. They kept Ronaldo from scoring a third and getting his hat trick or anybody else for that matter. And now they're going on to play Manchester City, who, in my personal opinion, probably will beat them. But you never know. Lyon has been a shock team. This was a shock result. And unfortunately, as happy as I am for Lyon, this this game will always be centered around did they get through just purely because of some really stupid calls. I don't know. That's not for me to decide. I feel sorry for them if that's the way this win is remembered. It's not how I remember it. I thought they did a great job of doing what they needed to under the circumstances and progressing. Good for them. Um, But VAR, again, stealing the show. Before I get into the next two matches, I do want to talk about Juventus for a little bit longer. After that loss to Lyon... Juventus decided that it was time to part ways with Maurizio Sarri, their first-year manager. He had previously been at Chelsea, fired, so then now he gets a job at Juventus, and after just one season, he's getting fired again. But the big talking point that I want to talk about is who they decided to instantly replace Sarri with. Former club legend, Italian legend, World Cup winner, Andrea Pirlo. 
I'm all for clubs hiring former players, especially players that were a big part of the culture and the success at that club. Chelsea did it with Frank Lampard, my favorite Chelsea player of all time, one of my top three favorite soccer players of all time. When I heard that they were hiring him, I was ecstatic. A, a guy that had won a Champions League with him, won multiple Premier League trophies, has records still at Chelsea. Why wouldn't I want that guy to be the manager of my favorite team, a team that he has a lot of ties to, a team that he wants to perform well for? I think it's a brilliant move. I think it's great for fans who want to see that. I think it's great for the overall culture of the club to have a guy, like I said earlier, who's a part of that. So getting Pirlo, I think it's a great move. I think he's got a great football mind. He was a type. He was the type of player who would sit back and deliver great long balls from deep in his own line. And I think he understands the game well. To play his position and play it at the level that he did, and the way that he did, I mean, you have to understand the game of football. And I think that this is a great hire. <laughs> I mean, there are still guys on Juventus who he played with, and who knows how much longer they'll be there. I mean, they're getting really old. Chiellini, Buffon's getting really old. Uh, I mean, well, Buffon's been old for, like, his entire career, so what am I talking about? But I think it's a great hire. I think it'll be really good for fans and hopefully revitalize the interest not that there is an interest in Juventus, but I think it'll be really great to have him at the helm. Um, and I think that his motivation to really turn this club around and try to truly compete for getting Champions League titles like they did so in buying Ronaldo. The whole goal was to win the UCL. They're winning Serie A, but that just isn't enough. They need to win Champions League. They need to be considered one of the top teams in Europe. They're the top team in Italy, but in European football, they underperform. So I hope that he can have a lot of success. I think it's awesome that they hired him, and I look forward to seeing what he can do, and I wish him the best. Now to the most painful game since the UCL was brought back last Friday. This was the first Saturday game. Well, it was played at the same time as the other um, UCL match, but it was the one I was most interested in, and that was the Chelsea-Bayern match. Because I'm a Chelsea fan, and I wanted to see what would happen. Now, going into the game, I did not have much hope, truthfully, for turning the game around and winning and progressing. Uh, I was being realistic. We were already down 3-0 on aggregate. And, well, Bayern's the superior side, hands down. I mean, it's not even a question. We are a young team. We're growing. We've made some signings in Zayek and Werner, and we're trying to make more right now. We're just not a UCL contender at the moment. Hopefully in the next couple of years we will be. So my expectations were low. But again, it's still heartbreaking. To already be down 3-0, come into the second leg, and uh, get absolutely thrashed. We ended up losing 4-1, 7-1 on aggregate. It's, uh, yeah, it was painful. That's literally all I have to say about this game. But I do have one bone to pick. VAR, once again, it wouldn't have changed the game, but it would have at least been nice to have lost 4-2 instead of 4-1. They took away our first goal, and it pissed me off, because again, VAR, it just pisses me off. We created a beautiful goal, Callum Hudson-Odoi, great finish into the back of the net, 
I'm super excited, and the next thing I know, they're like, oh, just kidding, that doesn't count. I'm like, wait, what? Why? I wasn't paying attention in the moment. We won't talk about that. And I had to go and look up why they didn't over, why they overturned the call. And it was because Tammy Abraham's heel was offsides, okay? That doesn't make sense. What advantage does the heel of his foot give him in that goal? It gives him absolutely no advantage. The heel of his foot is not going to be the deciding factor in whether that was a goal or not. I think not... Well, you can make the argument that VAR made the right call technically under the way that the rules are for offsides. But now I'm going to bone pick the offside rule. It needs to make more sense. It can't just be any part of the human body past the last defender. Like, what if your pinky is offside? Does that mean that the goal shouldn't count? What the heck does your pinky have to do with soccer? You're not even allowed to use your hands unless you're a goalie. Uh, That's stupid. If your elbow's offsides, what's your elbow going to do? Nothing. You're not going to use your elbow unless you deck a guy because you're pissed off or something, which I wouldn't suggest, but, you know, players have done it. I, I, I don't see how that gives anybody any sort of advantage. They need to relook at the offsides rule and figure out, instead of this big gray area of, and if it's really close, just kind of decide whatever you want. Technically, it should be offsides if it's any part of the body even if just a little bit. I understand if a guy's like fully offsides, all right? Or even half of his body, or he's getting a head start and one of his legs is ahead. Okay, fair enough. He's getting a head start. Fine, call it offsides. It's still frustrating, but whatever. But a heel, that, that gives no player in the world any advantage whatsoever. It, it shouldn't be something like that. It shouldn't be a hands offside or a, a heel is offsides or someone's string of hair is offsides. Make the rule make more sense. Instead of this giant, okay, any part of the body, call it, no goal. Find a way, so that way that goals can, more goals can happen, less offsides can happen, and players aren't getting called for stupid little things like the heel of your foot. It gave him no advantage. It didn't change the outcome of that goal. If his heel had been onsides, it wouldn't have mattered. It would have been a goal either way. His heel gave him no advantage, and I really wish they would look at that. Obviously, they probably won't, and probably don't care what people are saying about it, but it's frustrating. And again, would it change the outcome of the game if that goal had stood? No, it wouldn't. We still would have lost, and I'd just be sitting here talking about us losing anyways. But it would have been nice to have a little bit more dignity at the end of that game, but unfortunately, we didn't get to have that. And, uh, you know, just pain. All I experienced through that entire game was just pain. Um, and that's all I have to say about it. But congrats to Bayern. I mean, they're they're a really talented team. Um, and I think that this year they have a really good chance of winning the Champions League. There's no more Real Madrid. Ronaldo's out. Messi is still in. So it's a different landscape. You know, typically Ronaldo's in there until pretty much the very end. So that's odd. Typically Madrid is in there till the very end. They're not, so it's a different landscape, but I think it's great. I think it gives some different teams a chance to win it this year, and I look forward to seeing how the final turns out, and it's going to be a very accelerated schedule. I mean, as I'm talking right now, I'm literally watching the Atalanta-PSG game right now, 
and Atalanta's winning right now, so good for them. It'd be crazy for expensive PSG to get knocked out by a club that is literally worth as much as two of PSG players. I mean, the entire Atalanta club is worth as much as two players on PSG. That's, I mean, that's just baffling to me, proof that money doesn't buy you success. But anyways, enough about that. I'll talk about that game later, even though I'm enjoying watching it right now. Now, we're going to talk about the Barcelona game. Now, obviously, Barcelona played Napoli, a team that has really started to gain more and more success each season. Um, Dries Mertens, Lorenzo Insigne, a talented back line with Koulibaly, a massive man in defense. I mean, he's like 6'6", he's a big dude, have been generating a lot of success, and Barcelona at times this season have kind of fluctuated in their form. At one point, they were leading La Liga, and then two seconds later, they were struggling to keep that lead, and then they ended up in second place. Messi at times has not looked like himself. Maybe age is catching up to him, or maybe it's just been a little bit of an off year at times. In the first leg before the restart happened, it ended 1-1, and it was played at Napoli, so Barca was able to get that one away goal. And then obviously we had the lockdown, and we had to wait a long time for this second leg, and when we got it, boy, was this a fun game. Now, I was watching this as I was watching the Chelsea game. I didn't really care who won the game, um, but once I realized that all I was experiencing during that Chelsea game was pain, I paid very close attention to this high-scoring 3-1 match of football, and it was a great game. It was really fun to watch, and the stat line didn't quite convey the overall end of the game. Napoli ended the game with, I think, 18 shots, and Barcelona had something like 7 or 8. So on paper, Napoli looks like the team that should have dominated, but, well, Barcelona has this one guy named Leo Messi, and he absolutely showed up scoring, I mean, the most Leo Messi solo goal you've ever seen. I... I I've seen it multiple times, watched it over replay, and I still can't explain it. The ball, no matter what a defender did, just somehow would stick to Messi's foot and come back to him like it was magnetized or something. Messi went through like three or four guys. Some challenges were made, but again, the ball just somehow found Messi's feet, and he just ran through the entire Napoli defense and scored a beautiful goal, one of the three goals that um, Barcelona was able to get. And Messi could have had his second goal in that game if a really crappy handball had not been called on him. I, again, don't know how it was a handball. Didn't look like a handball to me. But they took away Messi's second goal. In the end, it didn't really affect the outcome of the game. Luis Suarez was able to put away a nice penalty, which Messi just tied his shoe and didn't even watch because he was that confident in his teammates' success. But, I mean, Barcelona just showed up and did their thing. They conceded a lot of shots, but only three of those Napoli shots actually registered on target. And if you're going to score on a guy like Ter Stegen, you're going to have to put some really, really good shots and probably high volume of them on target in hopes that one will somehow get past the wall that is Andre Ter Stegen. And, well, Napoli did get one goal, and it was their away goal, but it just wasn't enough at the end of the day when Barcelona was just the better side, the more clinical side, doing more with less and putting away three goals. It was a great performance by Barcelona. Napoli did all they could. But again, at the end of the day, the class of Barcelona, the class of Suarez and Messi, was just too much for them to overcome. And it sees now Barcelona going through to the next round. It was a good run for Napoli, though. Again, they're a team that 
have continued to build on success and success after each season. They've gotten better and better, and and that's great. I love watching teams progress and progress. The only worry, though, is their players aren't getting any younger, and their star player, Dries Mertens, is like 31 now, so it'll be interesting to see what Napoli can do in hopes that they can keep this team performing at a high level and winning matches. I don't know if they can. I hope that they can, especially when you got a team, again, like Atalanta beating a very expensive PSG side that on paper is just significantly better, but they're not performing the same. So um, it'll be interesting to see what the rest of the Champions League looks like. It's literally just going to be game after game after game for the next like week and a half before they finish it on the 23rd, I think, is the final. Um, it's going to be interesting, but I'm excited about it. If if this PSG game says anything about how the rest of the Champions League tournament will go, it's going to be fun. Right now, my favorites are Bayern and Barcelona. That could change. Who knows? Um, it's a weird year filled with some weird things, and weird things in sports is not always a bad thing, so hopefully we can continue to get some shocking results. But, uh, yeah, that's it for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed I'm just glad that we have some soccer returning. The NBA bubble is also getting pretty spectacular with Damian Lillard just being Dame. I look forward to the playoffs starting, the play-in starting, and I'll definitely be able to talk about that with you all as well. That being said, I hope you guys have a great time. If anybody's returning to school, be safe and peace out.